What's up, y'all? And welcome to another episode of Worldly Church Girl. It's your girl, your host, Lillian Harshaw. On today's show, I have the honor to introduce to you a pastor, an inspiring author, a television personality, the CEO and entrepreneur of this great men ministry, B-Men Inc. He is a family man, and most importantly, he is trying to make a difference in the community. It gives me great honor to introduce to you Pastor Terrell Sarver. So you were born and raised and currently live in Indianapolis, Indiana. You're the yes. oldest of five. You're a husband, a family man. You're the president, well, I'm sorry, the vice president managing director of a multi-strategy private e- equity firm. Mm-hmm. You are an ordained pastor full receiving your degree in ministry you mm-hmm. have your own operated commercial financing firm mm-hmm. you're an author also a co-author with your wife mm-hmm. and you're the founder and ceo of b-men inc uh do you have enough to do <laughs> i yes and yeah i i have too much to do right i was telling my friend yesterday that i just added another plate to the weight yeah, you did. Yeah, you know, as I was using that analogy as going into the gym and just keep adding weight to the plate, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of yeah, that's kind of how this is. But yeah, you know, God has given us the ability to to manage well, and that's been my prayer is to be able to be in a position where I'm more disciplined so that I can manage what He's given us. Because at the end of the day, what I've learned, especially through this this pandemic, is that we have to position ourselves, especially entrepreneurs. We have to position ourselves that we're getting multiple streams of income because mm-hmm. anything can shut down and then that can, uh, can destroy everything that you're, tr- you're trying to build. Because I think for years, and I think that was part of the problem, dealing with our ancestors and our parents and then our parents' parents is that they relied on a nine to five. Yes. And so, you know what I'm saying? So you can't get rich that way. And, uh, you know, and we're not looking to, you know, to become wealthy for earthly gain or selfish gain. It's to make sure that we secure our families in that because the Bible says that you leave an inheritance for your children's children. So that's really the main focus as a believer that you should be trying to obtain wealth is to secure a, a, a legacy for your family, then also be able to help God to expand his kingdom. So that should be the purpose of gaining wealth. If you are a believer, I want to go back a little bit. Tell me about okay. your childhood, because you're like me, born and raised in church, and basically just church is all we know. I mean, we know other things, but that foundation is church. Tell tell me about your childhood. What was it like? My childhood was pretty was pretty decent. Uh, you know, I was raised. Uh, well, I'm the oldest of five siblings. Uh, I have four brothers and one sister. And uh, but me and my second oldest brother, we were raised by our great grandmother. And so uh, that's where we get our foundation from, from her. And uh, so she raised us in church. We grew up. We were born and raised and grew up at Eastern Star Missionary Baptist Church. Now it's called Eastern Star Church. But when I was a part of the ministry, it was called Eastern Star Baptist Church off the 22nd in Columbia. And so Mm -hmm. that's where I spent a lot of my time. Uh, vacation Bible schools, Bible studies, prayer meetings, uh, uh, choir rehearsals, that type of thing. So we spent the majority of our time in church. So we used to be teased a lot in the neighborhood. 
because I grew up off of uh, 29th and Broadway. So mm-hmm. we used to be teased a lot about, you know, they would call us church boys because <laughs> we were always in church. But that never bothered me because I loved God at an early age. I thought that everybody, you know, was supposed to go to church. I thought that's what every family did. But as I continue to get older and uh, especially around in grade school and also junior high, I noticed that a lot of the guys that we were cool with and that we befriended, uh, they didn't have that 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 rooted foundation in church. So we were blessed to to be able to to uh, be raised by a great grandmother. My great grandmother is the same lady who actually raised my mother as well. So so it was a blessing to be up under her stewardship because I believe it saved our life. Those old teachings are the greater teachings. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because yeah. it instilled in us. It, it, it kind of like put something inside of us, even though, you know, when you become of age and you start, you know, being influenced by the world and, you know, other things and stuff like that. Of course, we all have led astray and we all have been tempted, uh, you know, with earthly things, you know what I'm saying? But because what was instilled in me and put in me as an early age, I always carried that with me and I always knew that God had a call on my life. I didn't know how it was going to mature. I didn't know the full direction of it. I just knew that for some reason, my mind and heart is, is being pulled toward him. I um, give that to, to, you know, just being up under my grandmother. And, uh, you know, so I thank God that even though I, I went astray, I was able to get back on track and I was able to hear God's voice when it's time for me to get back in position. And I, and I, you know, so I'm, I'm pleased about that with the foundation that was built at an early age. Now you said you was the big brother where you was the overprotective big brother. Yeah, we were, you know what I'm saying? But uh, uh, because that's all we had, it was just me and him because I have, I have uh, four other brothers and one sister, like I said, but they lived in Chicago with my mother. So it was really just me and my brother and uh, my great grandmother. It was really just us. And of mm-hmm. course, other family members, you know, growing up in the family, because we had two sides of the family, it was the Davidson family and then the Patty family. And so I was always around my family. I love being around my family. I hung out with my friends, but my cousins and my and my uh, brothers and sisters and my cousins and all that, they were my friends as well. So we always we were brought up to always know who your family were. And uh, that's who we hung out with. So I was, I'm a family guy as well. OK. Y'all family sound like our family. We barely was, mama really didn't trust us to hang out with too many people. Not at all, especially back in the day. See, I'm 52 years old. I don't know how old you are, but I'm 52. I'm 48. I'm right behind you. (laughs) Yeah, so we're in the same generation. So we're in the same generation. So we were kind of raised the same way. When I was coming up, you know, know, we had to be in before the uh, the streetlights came on. You know, we were teased about that as well. We had structure in our lives. And of course, we kind of uh, try to buck the system a little bit. But as I uh, looked at it, because as I'm learning that people like to be disciplined, people like to have rules. And I've learned that a lot of people who didn't have the rules and the boundaries that we had, they kind of wish that they did. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful for, you know, for the boundaries and the uh, and the restraints that God uh, allowed my grandmother to instill in us in an early age. Because I believe, once again, it saved my life. Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. So God ordered every step that I took, even if I took uh, took a wrong turn. Uh, he, he, he still ordained and ordered my steps. And it wasn't because 
I was good or, or any goodness of my own. It was because the word righteous means faith, a man that has faith in God. And mm-hmm. when we have faith in God, he deems us to be righteous. And so that's the reason why we can trust and believe that he is the one that is ordering our steps. Even when people don't agree with our decisions, even when people don't understand what God is doing in our life, we still have to trust and believe that God is the author and the finisher of our steps. And yes. if we trust that and believe that, it's all good. Like you, you know, falling astray, I just thank God for his grace and his mercy. Yes, yes. T.D. Jake said it like this. I'm going to be real quick about it because I could be all day because it's packed. That's all right. But he was saying that when uh, uh, the Bible says that uh, that uh, his sheep know his voice. Right. Mm -hmm. So how do we know God's voice? Well, because we've already had a relationship with him in heaven. And so because we commune with him, we we had conversations with him. So God came to us and said, look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to release you on earth. And when I release you on earth, you're going to be lost. You're going to forget about our relationship. You're going to forget about everything that we were able to uh, to accomplish up in heaven. And when I release you on earth, you're going to be lost. But but be encouraged because I'm going to call you when I call your name. I'm going to call you when it's time. So a lot of us I was on a podcast yesterday and I was telling somebody that he didn't decide to call me into ministry at 20 years old. He didn't decide to call me at 30 and 40. He decided to call me in my 50s. And mm-hmm. when I heard his voice, I knew that he was calling me. So I said that to say this, that all of us have our own journeys, right? We yes. all have our own processes. So if I understand that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God, why would I sit around as a believer? Why would I sit around and judge your process? Right. Yes, because that's yes. what people do. That's what we do. We yes. sit around and we judge the mistakes of others, especially believers, because we feel like we need to walk this thing out. Right. That we need to be perfect all the time. in our walk, and that's not the case, because once again, we are lost people who mm-hmm. happen to have faith in a God. Correct. Yes. So yes. we're lost people. So we're going to make mistakes. But I believe because the Bible says that all things work together for the good that are called to his purpose, but love him as well. That means he has ordered my steps, which means there were some things according to his plan. There were some things that he wanted me to, to experience. There were some things that he wanted me to go through. So when he's ready to call my name and to release me uh, into ministry, I have some experience that I can now be relatable to those who are going to come behind me. We should never, ever be ashamed of our process because what people try to do too is they try to compare our process to the world's process. They try mm-hmm. to compare God's system to the world's system. So that's one and of the to their own system. Correct. Into their own systems and beliefs. Right. Yes. And yes. that's the reason why people are so judgmental on people's processes because they think, cause you got all these gurus now, everybody, everybody's hustling. Everybody's trying to come up with a, with a blueprint on how they can make millions and billions of dollars. And if you don't work 24 hours a day, you're not hustling. You're not grinding. The devil is a lie. You know, right. God has given us the ability to, to obtain wealth, but he's also that will add no sorrow to it. But he also has given us uh, strategies and wisdom and knowledge to put ourselves in a place where we're walk, uh, working smart 
and not hard, right? Because yes. if you if you have a million dollars but you're working all the time, how can you enjoy it, right? Right. So we don't live up under the world system. We look we live up under God's system. And when we can actually get that in our spirit, and then also because of the grace and the mercy that he has extended to us. See, that's the reason why he can give us the grace and the mercy, right? It's mm -hmm. because he is the one, once again, that is ordering our steps. And if we can really grab a hold of that, we will, will no longer be so judgmental based on what other people are going through. And also even ourselves, because a lot of times I've walked in uh, uh, condemnation for years. So, which means I've blamed myself for some of the mistakes and stuff that I've made for some of the people that I've hurt. I've yes. walked in condemnation. The Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, mm. which means is once I repent it, I can let it go. I don't have to, I don't have to uh, be bound by, by my mistakes anymore because God has forgiven me. So I need to learn how to forgive myself because once again, I understand the process because this is his process that God, when God called you, he didn't sit down with you and consult with you and say, this is what I'm going to do. And right. uh, do I need your permission to do this? No, this is him because at the end of the day, our lives are not our own. When we belong to him, our lives are not our own, which means he can do whatever he wants to do with us because he's a sovereign God. So yes. once again, that's the reason why when you say yes to God, you really have to sit down and really count the cost because it's going to be uh, uh, because he's not going to reveal everything to you. And I think that's the reason why a lot of times we get weary mm -hmm. in our well doing because God. But a lot of times what I'm learning through my journey is that is that God is not going to really reveal his true plan and purpose for your life until you probably have gotten halfway through the process. Yes. That's yes. just my humble opinion, just based off of my experience and based on, you know, just me looking back and reflecting on my life. And uh, so that's just my my humble uh, opinion on that. No. And while you were talking, I was sitting here thinking, I said, God is like Google map. You put the address in and it tells you where to go. Right. And while you're going, following that direction, different things happen, either an accident or a traffic yep. jam, or the or lights, yep. mm -hmm. a dog mm -hmm. that ran across the street, some ducks, some swans. And while you're driving, the whole time you're driving and, and you're just watching the Google map, and when you finally get to a destination, most of the time you go, I could have put such and such a way and would have got here a whole lot quicker. Yep. yep. God is yep. the same yeah. way. The same <laughs> way. Yep, she is because there's learned, because there's things that he wants to teach us along the way. Right. But also there are some things that he wants to strip us of along the way too. You right. know what I'm saying? That's the reason there's why there's to be learned. Yes. yes. Yeah. And that's the reason why there's yeah. roadblocks and there's the reason why there's people that come in your life that may not understand what you're going through. You know, there may be people that's going to challenge you in ways that's going to pull out those those hidden treasures that is inside you. Mm -hmm. Right? You know what I'm yes. saying? By your persecution, by the rejection. You know, by the about uh, everything, you know, uh, uh, that we're experiencing through other people. That's God's way of pulling out what he needs to pull us out. And then in due time and in due season, that's when he's going to release you. And a lot of times what what I'm loving about God is that he can he can hide you in, in hindsight right in front of people. So what that means is, is that you can have 
a, a tremendous treasure and gift inside you and God can hide you right in front of people and they have no clue what you're carrying. And because they have no clue of what you're carrying, that's the reason why they reject you. That's the reason why they uh, they disvalue you because they don't see no real worth in you. And then they not only, but then he reveals it at his time. And then now that's when people are coming back. Oh man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do, you know what I'm saying? Now, because they see your value. That's again, that's something that God has ordained for your life so that he can teach you is to lean on him and not other people because we're people pleasers and we feel like we can't move forward. I'm talking about me. Mm-hmm. We feel like that we cannot move forward unless we're being endorsed and supported by others. And I believe God is not pleased with that. And I believe that's the reason why he allows certain people to, to uh, reject us mm-hmm. during our process. So you have a beautiful men's ministry. I want you to tell everybody about it. Yeah, thank you so much. So B-Men Incorporated is an organization. Well, it's an organization. It's a for-profit organization right now. And we have B-Men TV and we also have B-Men Publishing. And basically, God gave me this bit. See, let me back up because you may not know about all this either. In 2015, I went into total respiratory failure and I passed away. So uh, the first time I was gone a minute and 10 seconds, and then the second time I was gone a minute and 23, and this all happened in the ambulance while I was actually going to emergency. I ended up being in a coma for eight days, and my heart stopped eight times while I was in a coma. But when Mm -hmm. he woke me up, he started downloading some things in my life, uh, you know, to kind of tell me my mistakes. He was kind of, you know, just loving on me. And letting me know, hey, Terrell, I know what you've been through. I know what you had to encounter, you know, uh, but there was, you know, certain things that you didn't uh, go about things the right way in some of your journey. So <clears throat> so he just started speaking to me. And then uh, after he counseled me, so to speak, and endorsed me, uh, he gave me be men. Now, granted, I never had any intentions to do to be an author. I never had a desire to to have a publishing company, have a Never had a desire to do anything in this in this arena, but uh, he downloaded that to me and gave me the vision for B Men. And B Men is a is an organization that that empowers men to to be leaders in their homes, their communities, their local churches, their businesses and careers, but also live a life that is pleasing to God. Because one of the things that God told me. Uh, that that men are living raggedy lives. You know, men, I mean, we have a lot of men, especially in corporate America and some nine to five guys too. You know, they're taking care of their families. They're able to provide for their families consistently. They're great leaders in their communities. They're great leaders in their local churches. You know, they're pillars in their businesses and in their careers, but they're not living lives that are pleasing to God. And we believe that God is calling men back to holiness. And so what we're trying to do it's just empower men just to live a life that is pleasing to God because with everything that is going on in the, in, in the earth right now, God is going to need men to raise up. He's going to need men to raise up and to be and to be men that are after his heart so that we can help secure our families and protect our families, but also expand his kingdom, right? Yes. And yes. we can't do that living, living hellish lives. So that's the main focus for be men. But when I was driving down the street after he gave me this vision, he uh, he uh, told me where every man has a voice. 
And so what that means is, is that one of the jobs or the mandate that I have as well is to help build platforms for men who have a message of hope. And the purpose for that is, is because you have a lot of guys that, that, uh, that are, have a message. You have a lot of guys that have a message. You have a lot of guys that, that, that have a message of hope, but they don't have a platform and they're sitting around waiting for somebody to discover them, so to speak. And what I've learned, especially with black leaders, what I've learned is that they pick and choose who they want to pour into. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our guys were sitting around here wondering, wow, wondering how come no one is noticing me? How come I can't get to the next level? Because we have a lack of men that are willing to pour back and give back to other men. So that's the vision that he's given me. I said yes to it right away. And uh, he gave me the end result first. He didn't show me books and, and all that. He showed me men at the altar, prostate before him, on the altar, laying out, crying out to him, asking what, what must they do to be saved. So that was the, um, the end result that he showed me. So we're in a position now where we're going to be doing conferences of deliverance and healing and just getting our men back to a position where they're loving on God. Because I believe... If we can get men to earnestly seek God, our women will be secure enough to know that we're leading them in the right direction simply because we're leaning on God for direction. Does that make sense? It makes plenty of sense. And it's sad that statistically right now, if you walk into any church, no matter the denomination, about 80% of them are women. Yes, yes, yes. And women are getting And 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 men do need to start coming. Yeah, yeah we, they need we, we want our men. We, we, yeah. we need our men in there. Yeah, yeah. And God is not looking for perfect men either. He's just well, looking for men that are willing to surrender their lives over to him and, and, and be obedient. Yeah. Just to be obedient because a buddy of mine told me the other day, he said, he said, man, don't nobody care if you're drinking a beer or something like that. It's because that's just your flesh. That's just what your flesh craves, but that has nothing to do with your spirit, right? Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. once I'm in love with someone, once I have dedicated and made a decision to seek after someone, I'm going to make sure that I'm not doing anything that's going to challenge or even disrupt the relationship. You did that with your husband. So if if you know there's some things that your husband's just not going to tolerate, or he's just not going to life or that it may affect your relationship. You're going to try your best not to do those things simply because you're respecting the relationship. Right. And that's the same way with God. He's not asking for us to be perfect. All he's saying is is just love on me. Let me work on you. Let me work on you. Let me purge some things off of you and respect the relationship. Yes. And that's the, probably the best mindset a church can ever have. Is that's stop it. trying to change people. Let God change them. You just that's love them. Yes, that's just it. Love just love them. And stop and stop throwing people. And and what the church is so oh man, they're so good at this. Is they're so quick to throw people away. Yes. You know, all I heard in 2019 was stay away from toxic people. We're all toxic. We're all toxic in some type of shape, form, or fashion. So why are we so quick to throw people away? It's so easy uh, uh, to throw people away than to actually sit down and actually communicate effectively and actually try to fix what fix what's hurting us. Everybody's looking for this perfect person, mm-hmm. right? And so that's what the issue is. But if we can just take time to, you know, 
this is the other thing that I have an issue with too. And I hope that I don't offend anybody when I say this. But I've been seeing a lot of people, Black Lives Matter. Trust me, I'm with the whole movement. You know, I'm with all that, right? But my mm-hmm. thing is this. This is what I've seen. I've seen people march and protest for Black Lives Matter, but they won't even get things right in their own home. That's but true. you're out protesting Black Lives Matter, but then the person that lives in your house, he... What about him? His life matters too. So let's fix what's in the house first before we can actually go out and protest publicly. That's just my opinion. I know I'm going to probably offend some people with that, <laughs> but but I mean, it just I'm like, how can you be out here, Black Lives Matter, but then you mistreating the black the black woman or the black man that's actually in your house? Yeah, you're going home slapping your wife around. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's just it's just yeah. nuts, man. I, nuts. I see your point on that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You do do a, a Monday inspirational. Every Mondays we'll be doing uh maybe about mm, five to ten minute videos every Monday. Uh, you know, just trying to be inspirational, right? And so God is the one that orchestrated that. And so uh in two in November of uh two thousand and nineteen was our last video. And so we had the opportunity to actually be able to do those videos uh uh on on the now network. Okay. So the now network is a platform of 54 million viewers. The now network is like a TBN, the word network, Hillsong, Daystar, mm-hmm. that type of thing. And uh, so we was able to get a slot on there. So uh, every Tuesday at 12 noon, we had a, sh- our show where every man has a voice. So the Monday inspirations actually turned into a show. Well, and once, yes. And once again, it had nothing to do with me. I knew you would have never thought that I would even be doing shows. Matter of fact, I didn't even want to do videos because I'm afraid <laughs> of the camera. I didn't like that camera. Ooh, because I, yeah, I didn't like it because I stutter a lot. And uh, so I just didn't like it. And uh, But a friend of mine, my video guy, he actually spoke into my life in uh, July of 2019 and said, hey, man, you could be the next Eric Thomas. And I was like, hold on, man. You ain't never heard me speak before. Why would you come and tell me something <laughs> like that? He was like, man, I'm a good person of character. I see what's in you. And I really believe that you can be effective. So because he earnestly and, and with conviction spoke into my life, because my pastor had told me, my former pastor had told me three years ago to do Facebook lives and videos, and I just wouldn't do it. But then mm-hmm. for some reason, when he came and spoke into my life, it just kind of lit something in me. So we decided to do it, right? So when we first started doing the videos, the original format was was supposed to be for us to maybe do five to ten minutes of, you know, scripture and then do maybe five to ten points and kind of brand it that way. Right. So we mm-hmm. could get a lot of followers and stuff like that. But it's so I, I you know, I was like, man, I don't want to do that. That's too long. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to do a scripture and then we're going to give a small little point, you know, on the scripture. And then we're going to pray. I can pray. So we're going to pray. And then we're going to be out. We're going to be out. So I know my strength. (laughs) Yeah, I know my strength, right? In and out, you know? Uh And then uh, I think we did two videos like that, the first two videos like that, and then the format changed immediately. Ray Tobert, which is one of our authors, he's a former NBA player. And uh, he also went to Indiana University in 1981 when they won the championship with Isaiah Thomas, Landon Turner, and all those guys. And uh, so he's he's in the book, and... uh, we're actually working on a new project with him right now. 
And uh, so he came to the studio uh, because we wanted to talk to him about a documentary that we we're going to do on him. And so as we were setting up to actually do the Monday morning inspiration, I said, hey, man, why don't you come and join me on this? You know, and then so we started dialoguing on the video. And that's how the talk show was actually birthed. So now, okay. that's how, yeah, that's how every uh, where every man has a voice. That's how it was birthed. And so once again, that wasn't my format and it wasn't uh, something that I sought after. That was God orchestrating this and where he wants us to be. So now we're on a nationally televised uh, television show every Tuesday, 12 noon. Oh, God got a sense of humor. He does. I'm <laughs> telling you, I'm telling you this, I'm telling you, man, this is nothing that I have sought after to do. I'm grateful though. I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm very grateful that he would even see something in me that he would want me to do something like this or even had this predestined for me to do. So I'm at, yes. I'm, I'm at all at God right now. He's doing some amazing things. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I mean, even in the midst of a pandemic, yes. he's doing some amazing things. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Yes. I've been telling people, even during this, that I had been more fruitful than I was this time last year. Yes. And not, yes. Bu not busy, not just doing random stuff, like actually being fruitful. Yes. Yes. And, and it's because God put a pause on everything and has opened doors that I would have never walked into because I would have walked right past them. Mm -hmm. But he's also opening doors for those who have labored that have yes. continued to have faith in him when things wasn't looking good. Yes. When everybody was laughing and mocking you because of your faith. And when it yes. looked like they were winning because during that time, those people that were mocking and laughing, they were winning. There's a uh, there's a scripture in First Samuel, I believe, when David when David and the 600 men that he uh, that he recruited to go to battle with him, uh, when they came back from from the battle, uh, that's when he realized that all his everything was stolen, his wives were stolen and all that. And uh, and uh, so he went in the morning. But before that, the men that had fought with him and actually came back in victory, those same men wanted to stone and kill him because they blamed him that everything was taken and stolen. So. Uh, uh, he went before God. He went in the morning, and uh, and the Bible says that he encouraged himself. And when mm -hmm. he encouraged himself, he then once he wiped the tears away and, and got over everybody that was trying to kill him, the people that he had already had a victory with. Does mm -hmm. that sound familiar in your oh, life? Yeah. You know yes. what I'm saying. And so the people that he already had victories with, he then went to the Lord and he said, "Shall I pursue?" And the Lord said, "Yes, pursue." So to make a long story short. He goes and pursues, and then the Bible says that, that uh, there was a, a stranger, an enemy, that uh, that showed him where the enemy camp was. But when he got there, the enemy was partying. They were partying because they had thought that they had won. They Free were celebration. Go, yeah. Come on. Yes. Yeah. And so they was able to go in and take everything back. So that's what's going on now. People that were laughing at you, people who rejected you. People, people who didn't think that that God was real or God had favored your life, now they they gonna be in trouble. Now those people are in trouble. You know what? I could talk to you for hours, but I can't because <laughs> <laughs> I got stuff to do and you got stuff to do. <laughs> I do. I got a three o'clock that I gotta get on. Yeah. But no, I really oh. enjoy you though. I appreciate you having me on. Really oh, do. no problem. I want to back up a little bit. I want you to tell me about the book you and your wife written together. I know you touched on it a little bit, but I want you to go in a little bit more detail about it. What is, what's it called? 
Well, we really don't even have a real name for it yet because, you know, God has not given us permission to release that book yet because okay. there's some personal things that he's still working in both of us. But the, back, the, the book is basically based on the journey of my of my my near death or my death experience. And okay. so we have. Yeah, we have uh, actually uh, the book started off with me actually waking up out of the coma and not knowing where I was. And so it starts off like that. And then I do my chapter. And then the second chapter is where she comes in and she's telling her side of the story on what she had to go through and what she experienced. And so we kind of go back and forth with that. But I'm telling my story and she's telling her story. And then we have 11 witnesses in the book, too, that actually was there praying and, and seeing what God was doing in, in our lives mm. as far as my my recovery. And so they're just giving their testimony as well. So. It's going to be a powerful, powerful book. I'm also, I have already wrote a like 15 minute short film on it as well. That's going to be released as well. Uh, uh, so I'm excited about it. Uh, but the, I believe the book is going to be powerful because it's going to show the power of God. God can do anything. God can restore anything. He can resurrect anything. And there were times where they didn't even know that I was going to live even after I had uh, came out of the coma or before the coma. There were times when they when they uh, would turn me over to wash me, when the nurses would turn me over to wash me. I was in a comatose state and my heart would stop simply mm. because they would turn me over. So it was it was a crazy, crazy situation. But God brought us out of that. He brought us out of that journey. So we're thankful for that. So I'm excited yeah. about this book. So I, just whenever he tells us, to to uh to release it it'll come out please let me know about it because that perspective is deep from the perspective of the person actually going through it and from the person watching their loved one go through it see that's the key that's the key right because the nurse said the nurse said because my my wife kept a journal who uh, uh through the whole process and i was able to read her notes i can only go by what people tell me, right? Because I was right. in a coma, so I don't know. But right. but one of the things my wife said is that when that nurse turned me over just to simply wash me and my heart stopped, they had to come in and rush everybody in and revive me again. And she was just frantic at this point. She was like, what's going on? I mean, why does this keep happening? Mm-hmm. And uh, the nurse said that it's harder on you than it is on him, which means because I don't remember none of that, which means right. I didn't feel it, which means I wasn't in any despair, pain, none of that. I didn't feel it, right? Because I don't, re- well, even if I was in pain, I don't remember it. That's when I know then that that ordeal just wasn't for me. Yeah, That was for people that was actually watching as well. Now, whatever they do with that revelation, that's on them. But I knew at that time it just wasn't for me. God didn't start dealing with me until after I woke up. Mm-hmm. That's when he dealt with me. But he was dealing with other people while I was actually in, the, in a coma. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. So God, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, that's yeah, why God I can't wait awesome. to see. I can't wait to read it. So I'm praying that He's going to release that because we were able to get that book done. It was 30 days when I came home out of the hospital. I was in the hospital for a total of 12 days, mm-hmm. and I was on bed rest for 30 days because I had to learn how to walk again. I had to go to rehab with walking, talking. I used to sing. I'm on two gospel CDs, and you know, mm-hmm. even now as I'm talking to you, my voice is getting tired and raspy simply because uh, simply because uh, I was on that ventilator for so long. That's all right. It happens. I'm getting old, man. 
you know what? I, I was telling my best friend because we're the same age. I said, I can't wait to hit 50. She was like, not me. I was like, no, nah, I'm excited. I was like, that's a milestone. I said, I was excited about 30. I was excited about 40. Ah, 41, I was like, okay. But 50, I'm excited about. I'm, I'm, I'm cool. Like, I'm excited school, about 50 because I'm like, I thought I was officially grown up at 30, but I'm officially grown up at 50. Yeah, yeah 50 is cool because plus two, you don't look like you're 50. You know, you like, don't act like you're 50. We're not our grandmother's 50 anymore. No. You see no, what I'm saying? We're young no. 50s and we still got a whole lot of life to live. And I think now that because of the experiences and everything that you have experienced, I mean, this should be, this is your ladder now because mm-hmm. you have more time behind you than you do in front of you. Mm-hmm. You really got to look at it like that now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I'm looking at it. So, this is, you know, these are the times that we can really enjoy and actually now start giving back. Yes. As well, yes. and actually preparing ourselves and leaving a legacy for the people that's going to come behind us. But, you know, we got another 40 to 50 years to live. So, it's Amen. all good. Amen. That's it's all still, good. It's still not going to look our age. Do you hear me? No, okay. we're not. We're not. <laughs> we're not. And that's the great part about the whole thing. Yeah, I'm not ashamed to tell my age. I used to lie about my age because Did you? Trying to, yes, because your insecurities and all this stuff, and then you're still trying to be young and, and still trying to be relevant, you know, uh, to the younger generation and stuff. And then God mm-hmm. checked me. He's like, Nah, man, be proud of what you, you know, what you've been through because we don't look like what we've been through. You know what well, I'm saying? I love, because, I love telling people my age just for the fact of really, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yes, that's <laughs> a blessing because I tell everybody, you know, how people try to tease you. Uh, what's up, old school? I'm like, man, you better hope you make it. I made it. Are you going right. to make it? You going right. to make it? Now, you, but you do have your own book, though. Actually, I'm working on my own book right now. Everything that I've done has been collaboration. Like I said, me and my wife wrote something that's not out yet. Uh, mm-hmm. So, And then the, uh, the, uh, the book that we have is called Transform. That's under B-Men Publishing. It's called Transform, Powerful Stories of Seven Men changed by the hand of God. And I was the managing editor on that. And we have seven guys in that book that uh, under my publishing company, uh, they're telling their stories on how God transformed their life. So that book came out in 2017. We're going to actually relaunch it because we just signed a deal with a uh, distribution company that's going to actually get our books now in all the major bookstores and on the online and all that. What is the main goal for all of your ministries? Is to really the main goal? That's a good question. The main goal is to be pleasing to God and to try to save as many men and lead as many men that we can back to Christ. And that's the reason why we, we, you know, the TV show, that's the whole purpose of the TV show. Not so I can say that I have a TV show. It's simply so that we can have men on there that can, uh, that can share their stories of, of hope, faith, you know, uh, 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 we focus on we focus on faith, family, finance and fitness. And what we've been doing is focusing on faith because we want to we want to instill faith in people that Christ is the answer and that we should lean upon him and live a life that is pleasing to you. So that's the whole purpose of the TV show. That's the whole purpose of the books. That's the whole, whole purpose of everything that we do is to lead people, especially men, back to Christ. Amen. So that's my that's my agenda. That's my focus. We would never stray from the message because this is his blueprint. It's not mine. Because remember, I didn't have a desire to do this. Yes. I didn't even have an inkling to do this. So how can I change the change the uh the narrative when he's the one that gave me the narrative? Uh earlier we were talking that um but not before we 
got on the air, but we were talking about your church. Mm-hmm. So you you have started a new pastoral ship, a new church. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy, ain't it? So, <laughs> so, because uh, yeah, it's crazy that I said yes. That's what's crazy about it. <laughs> but there's an apostle Wayne Bass. He's out of Washington D.C. He's actually under him and his wife, Lady Madge. They're under the uh, Church of God in Christ jurisdiction and all that. But they started their own uh, organization, and so he has five locations up under the Church One Network. And uh, we have a church in, I think there's a plant in Alpharetta, Georgia, Philadelphia, the DMV, Charlotte, North Carolina. I think they got one coming up in Gain- Gainesville, Florida as well. And so he wanted a presence in the Midwest, which is Indianapolis. And so he he reached out to me and said, hey, I'm going to ask you a question. He's been following me and all that and said, hey, uh, I want to ask you a question, but I know the answer to it, but I just want to hear what you say. I said, okay. He said, do you believe you've been called the pastor? And I hesitated. And I said, <laughs> yes, because actually, to be honest with you, it was something that I was already anticipating doing, especially with the pandemic, you know, with the pandemic and everything. Mm-hmm. I had realized that we don't have to even have a building. We can just actually do a virtual, virtual online experience and That's just keep right. it real simple. Because, you know, when about being famous or having a luxury building or anything like that, it was just about spreading the good news of Jesus Christ and trying to win people to him. So I had so I had adopted the, the uh, virtual online experience church. And so when he came to me, he was like, I'll fund everything. I want you to be the lead pastor. It'd be called Church One Indianapolis and uh, I'll fund everything for you and uh, we'll put you in place. So I accepted it. Wow. And uh, so our first service is uh, June 28th, which would be via a conference call. We're going to do that for four weeks. And then uh, after that, we'll do two Facebook Live virtual services. And then after that, we're going to uh, assemble together in person sometime in August. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a blessing. Yeah. It is. It is. But see, I'm going to tell you something, too. In December of 2019, going into 2020, I knew someone was going to reach out to me. I felt it in my spirit. I I didn't think that it would be in a a pastoral position. I thought that somebody may reach out to me and maybe wanted me to head up a men's ministry or be a pastor, a men's pastor at their church or something like that. That's really what I was expecting to happen. But for something like this to happen, uh, it kind of exceeded my expectations. But it's all good. It's all good. Hits the pause when you got asked. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yes, because I was like, whoa, hold on. I just wanted to, you know, be a bunch of somebody else and just kind of be over the men. But it's all good. But I, I knew in my spirit that something like that was going to happen. So I, I wasn't really surprised, but I was surprised, but I wasn't. If that makes right. sense. Oh, yeah. it makes perfect sense because that's just yeah. how God is. Yeah. He gives, you, he gives yeah. you a heads up, but he just never tells you when and where. The extent of it. Yeah, who now? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, definitely. So how can people contact you? Uh, you can reach me uh, on all my social media platforms, uh, my personal Facebook page, which is uh, Terrell Sarver. You can reach me on my B-Men, uh, B-Men Facebook page. Uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn. You can reach me on Instagram. Uh, we have a YouTube page as well. So uh, you can reach us anywhere. Our website is uh, www.bmeninc.com. Dot com. My website is actually down right now because we're actually in the middle of a launch, a relaunch. So okay. that's down. So we actually getting a new site up and everything like that. But I can I'm not hard to find. I can be found because we're, we're out there. So you can you can reach us. All right. Are you ready for your last question, sir? Yeah, I am. Yes. yes. OK. 
Now, if you could have any song be your theme song, when you walked into a room, what would it be and why? Wow. Let me think about that. Hmm. That's interesting. Nobody's never asked me that. Uh, how great is our God? How great is our God? That's actually one of my favorite songs. And the reason why is because God is so great and he is so faithful and he is so strong and he's so sovereign. And he's just great. And the words say that uh, how great is our God? He's going to uh, prove himself. Yes. When everything happens, you're going to know how great <laughs> that he is. And that's what he's doing right now. He's, he's literally showing us how great he is. Yes. So that's my theme song. I love it. It's a worship song. And it's just, you know, exhorting God and lifting him up and just telling him how great he is. So if I was to choose the song, it would be that song right there. All right. Amen. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed you. Wow. Wow. I appreciate that. Thank, thank you so much. I really <laughs> You're welcome. You. You're welcome. Right, we have bless. a good one. God you bless too. you. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Pastor, for being on my show. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for all that you're doing for the community. You are doing a great work. And if you would like to be on Rolling Church Girl, click the link below, shoot me an email, and let's see what we can do with that thing. And by the way, why haven't you subscribed? You've been listening to all these podcast shows. You might as well make sure you get notification as soon as they hit. Hit that subscription button. And thanks again for joining your one and only Worldly Church Girl.